Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Dedicated staff, Pastor Dennis as well. But this time it happened to be Charlie. And he watched this poor bedazzled guy coming in here looking, what's going on? My car broke down. And so Charlie said, how can I help you? They began to talk about the problem. And then Charlie then invited him upstairs to make some phone calls, to offer him water and a cup of coffee and a little bit of a conversation. But Charlie knew it was far more than about a car that was broken down. It was a sovereign God bringing this guy here. Now remember, it is to help this guy with a broken down car, but it's not about making earth a better place for him to go to hell from. It's also about finding a way for him to get to heaven. Shortly, this individual began to talk about the Lord and find out if he's a Christian, find out where his journey is with God. Since then, this individual has come to men's meeting or singles meeting. He's been to church here. And he's asking, what can I do to help? He came to our work day just to do work around the building. He says, I'd like to do some painting and some custodial work here. Last night when I was alone with him, I said, I said you may be custodial work, but believe me, when you work under our ministry here, it's not about bathrooms and sweeping and cleaning and helping Lincoln and painting. What it is about is doing that, but always with an antenna open to anybody who comes into your world, knowing that God permitted that person to cross your path so you can, here it is, fully proclaim God's word to that person. You are going to be the front line of the image of international church right there in front of everybody. Do you know what that guy did? He just lit up. All of a sudden, it wasn't about cleaning commodes and sweeping and painting and doing electrical work. It was all, I'm, I'm doing this so the place is nice when people come, but it's also to be right there when someone from across the street at the school parks their car, someone's over at the bus coming in or to get a drink of water, that I'm right there so I can touch them for God. We all need to be ministers to realize that whatever we do, that we're thinking way beyond just our task. We're thinking about how can I advance the kingdom of God? How can I make known this hidden mystery about Christ in you by faith alone and the hope of glory? Now, you know, that's an interesting phrase. Christ in you is right now. The hope of glory is for the future. That's to let you know that you can have a resident faith this very moment in the Lord today. It's not something you kind of get now and you enjoy later. You got it now. But it's not just about now. It's something so now that it's going to carry you all the way to the hope of glory and the future that God has for you. That's this message. So whomever is going to be your pulpit preacher, who's ever going to teach your classes or small groups, must be, must be on the accurate cutting edge of teaching God's word so that people have an engaged relationship. Not with the guy who sweeps necessarily, but with the creator of the guy who sweeps and cleans and all that. So it's an intimate relationship with the Lord. And that's the kind of person you need to have. Look at the verse, Acts chapter 20. Paul says this. Again, this is his passion. You might say that's a lot of pride and cockiness. No, he was just so excited about his passion. He shared it and God wanted it to be recorded so we would embrace it ourselves. And here's what it says. He says, how I kept back nothing that was helpful. I didn't hold back anything, but I proclaimed it to you. That would be the preaching, probably the evangelizing. And then he says, and I taught you. That would be the discipling. Notice the order. First, you've got to win him to Christ. Then you disciple him. Then he says, I did it publicly in front of everybody. And then I also did it in a smaller group, house to house. And what did I do? I testified to the Jews, one ethnic group. I went to the Greeks, another ethnic group. In other words, I wasn't divided among ethnic groups. I didn't care. Everybody needed to be taught the gospel. 
repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. I did not shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God. He says, I want to make sure you got every bit that I can possibly give to you. Now, look up here for a moment. He was a called individual. I realize that. All right, he was chosen by God, but he was also bivocational as a tent maker. He was also, I could say, a prisoner as well. Whomever you might be in this world, you're still a minister and you still have the same message. So whether God gives you a pulpit or not, watch this, he has always given you people around you that in some measure you could advance the word of God. And that's what this whole point is about. Look at how he ends his life, 2 Timothy 4, 7. Did he finish well? He said, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. I didn't back down. I stayed with it from beginning to the end. And so I look at some of you uh, more mature, older people in here for just a moment. A moment ago when I was doing the mission moment, we all chuckled when I was explaining how at Bob and Cindy's church that they had a bunch of very elderly people, much older at times than, than you are. And I said, you could go out with one more bang inside of you. And I look to some of you older people here. I don't know where it is, and I know you've got a threshold of health and threshold of strength and threshold of ability of traveling at night and driving and all that. But what you need to do is please, please, please get alone with God and say, God, is there one more thing? Could I go out like at the Alamo? Could I do one more thing for you? Do you, you have one more thing inside of me? Is there one more thing that I could do for you? I want to be faithful to what you've given to me, but is there anything else that you want me to do? I do not want to just be in God's waiting room until I die. I want to be on the front line of the battle until I go home to heaven. And somewhere in the world, I have to believe that you've been underneath the sound of solid Bible teaching long before I ever got here. So you've got a lot of biblical tools in your toolbox to continue building the kingdom of God. And so some of you, I want to challenge you one more time in your life. I want to excite you one more time. I want you to consider one more time what God might have for you. Because I believe it could be very, very huge. Let's look at the fourth type of a minister a church needs. A church needs a minister who has a balanced ministry of bringing people to full maturity in Christ. The word balanced, I'll explain that in a moment. And then to bring people to full maturity in Christ. Last night at our singles meeting, we had a Bible study for our singles. And what a rich group of kids. These singles we have in our church... They are so hot for God, they want to know God's word, they want to apply it, they want to have healthy relationships. They are, I'm so, I hate to say the word proud, but I I am not ashamed to be in any room and anywhere with our our singles. They're living a moral life, a separated life under the Lord, and they're trying to advance their own careers through education, etc. In the middle of that, we're talking about a paradigm, and we used 12 guys. One was a rummy, you know, the 12 disciples, and he had Jesus. That was a paradigm. And we talked all about those 12 guys and their relationships as we were talking about relationships. Well, you young people, for a moment, you singles, I want to flip it now to another paradigm, and I want you to look at Christ. Christ is a paradigm for us to follow in many different areas. But the point for this message is this, a balanced ministry. So as you look at the life of Christ, just through uh, three Gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then if you look at John, you follow those, here's what you're going to see in a very broad stroke right now. He was concerned about the individual. I'll talk to you a moment. About the woman at the well. He was talking about the person who was born blind, etc. He was concerned about the individuals. At the same time, he could stand probably at the, the bank of the Sea of Galilee as he looked up here on the mount and he spoke to a massive crowd about the Beatitudes. And he probably did it in such a way that people could follow him. 
There was excitement. There was passion. The Spirit of God took the Word of God from Christ, who is the Son of God, to the new children of God that were out there. And so he spoke to them, the masses. They all came to listen, and groups would follow him. And yet he had his 12. Then he had his 11, because one was a rummy, you know. He had his 11. Then he had his 12, the three. And then he had Jesus. He had a small group. So where am I going with this? He could be balanced in dealing with one person, focused attention. He could deal in a small group, not afraid to get up close and personal and intimate with them. At the same time, he was fearless with crowds, a balanced person. Something else about Jesus. Not only was he balanced with this, he was balanced in being able to give out the message of the gospel of him going to the cross to pay for sin, etc. The gospel. At the same time, to those who knew Christ the Savior, he knew that it wasn't about giving them how to be saved. It was now about how do you take this message of the kingdom, of the gospel, the broader gospel now, to all the world. So he was discipling them. I'm saying all that to say this. The minister that you would have at this pulpit or any church you go to, should you go on offline or off-island, they need to be someone who is balanced. They care about the individual, the small group, the big crowds. Care about those who are on the, on the brink of, of eternal disaster and hell and those that need to be equipped in the Word of God to do the ministry to advance the kingdom of God. You've got to have that balance. And all of you, you're going to say, Amen, that's the kind of pastor we need. That's the kind of minister we need. But remember, we began this message that you are all those ministers individually. And so that's the kind of ministers this church needs. That you too are sensitive to the cars that break down, the people that come up for the drink of water, the people that you work with, the new neighbor who moves in next to you to give them the gospel one-on-one. But at the same time, should we ask for you to give a public testimony? You be fearless because it's not about you. It's about Jesus who's inside of you and he's fearless and you can do it publicly. You can disciple people. We need a church full of people who are balanced in their ministry. Now, some may be called to do more of the pediatrics, lead them to Christ, and some may be more of the geriatrics, helping them go to maturity in Christ. But in a sense, it's a balanced ministry. And this is probably, in my opinion, the best passage of Scripture. In fact, if you were to ask me, Pastor, do you have a life verse? I have a life salvation verse. I have a life intimacy with God verse. But I have a life ministry verse. This, you cut my wrist. I bleed this passage I'm about to give to you right now. I, I pray that God is allowing this passage to manifest itself to you through me. I'm working. I don't know if it is. I pray. I'm yielding it. But this is who I am. Follow me. Will you do this? Look at it now. It says this. Him, Jesus Christ, we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Now that's verse 28. I'll get to verse 29 because I have to put both of them together for my life ministry verse. Let's go at it again. Him we preach, Jesus. Somehow would you mark Jesus Christ? You don't preach yourself. You don't preach some politics. You don't preach some denominationalism. You preach Jesus Christ as he is found throughout Scripture from Old Testament to New Testament. You preach him. Then it says, whom we preach. Underline the word we there for a moment. That means it's a team effort. Yes, you may do it alone sometimes, but remember, we are not an island in the sea of Christians. We are still vitally connected to one another. We are a team in synergy. But let me go a little bit further. Whom we preach. If you will, underline the word preach and put a number one by that. Because before you can disciple someone, you have to somehow make sure they're saved. And so I'm using the word preach different than teaching. And then it says warning every man. See the phrase every man there? Would you put one line under that? Just one line under every man. You'll see why in a moment. So we're to preach the gospel to every man. And technically, ladies, it's not just men. It's every human. 
Then it says, and teaching. All right, underline the word teaching and put a number two by that. So we preach, then we teach. Now, I don't know what translation you have. I'm taking this more out of a literal translation. So if you want to be cute about it, you can take the word preach now, and you see the word R-E-A-C-H, reach, in the word preach. You go to the word teaching, and you see the word E-A-C-H, each. So you could say reach each. So it says preach, warning every man. Then it says teaching every man. Take that word every man and put two lines under it now. One under the first time where it says preach to every man. Put two lines where it says teaching every man in all wisdom. And of course the wisdom is not the secular worldview. It's the Christian worldview. It's found in scripture. It's the wisdom of the word, Jesus. Then it says that we may present. Now you have to do both, the preaching and the teaching. So it's putting those two together. Then it says our ultimate goal is that we may present once and for all Every man, now put three lines under that, because I wanted you to see three times in one verse you see the phrase every man. Every man, every man, every man. Nobody's to be neglected from our mission. Then it says perfect, which would be mature in Christ Jesus. So our objective in balanced ministry is to preach and to teach to every man for the purpose of helping them come to full maturity in Jesus Christ. So it's not just about making sure they don't go to hell. It's not just so much that they have Bible knowledge. It's so that their life becomes more like Christ in a maturation process. So it says the church needs a ministry with balanced ministry of bringing people to full maturity in Christ. Let's fill in some blanks now. It says to proclaim Christ, not himself. Fill in that blank. Number two, he admonished every man. Number three, he taught every man. He discipled and he desired every man to be mature in Christ, which is the ultimate goal. Now, I know some of you that are on the outside of the faith, you're, you're thinking, I, listen, I, I, I think I'm going to lose my job this week. Don't you know what's going on on the island? And you're talking about being a minister, you're talking about all this kind of stuff that's out there. I don't even relate to that. I've been where you are, and I have to tell you that I do feel your pain and I would much sometimes like to give a message on how to get out of debt and how to survive an economic crisis and all of that. Those are important. But I want you to know that whatever I, listen, listen, whatever I could tell you of how to get through practical life that you're experiencing right now, whatever that would be, can only come from an accurate understanding of Scripture. Watch this. Coming through a clean life that I learned that I should have from the Word and knowing that my priority is to help you to be able to get through this life to get into heaven properly by faith alone. And so whatever you're going to get to help you through this life, I have to give messages like this to prepare another army of people, another uh, group of servants, another group of spiritual doctors to help people like you that are struggling. Watch this. Because if we can help you, then just perchance you will see what ignites us, and you too will get into this whole game with us to build God's kingdom. And that's how we're going to reach this island. Sometimes I feel like I'm spitting at the wind and throwing sand against the, the trade winds here. But I can't. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. And that's the whole point here. And so we do want to care for you. We, don't, we do want to do this. So those of you who are embracing any kind of ministry, whether you're greeting people at the door, whether you're helping them with the alone, whether you're setting up food, you're moving chairs, remember, as much as you do these things, it's safe to do tasks at times, because people are like sheep. They're so dirty and smelly. I know that. People are like that. But chairs don't go to heaven. Lanai's don't go to heaven. Buildings don't look like Christ. I don't care how many crosses you have on it. People become more like Christ. And it's about people. Let me go to number five and we'll close with this. The church needs a minister who works hard 
but in God's strength. Um, the whole Christian movement is where it is today and has not been snuffed out because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through Christians who yielded to that power and because of that have had tremendous amount of labor. And so, if you will, notice how, as it ends in verse 28, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. If you did not have 29, I will tell you that verse 28 would not last long in the vision of any human Christian. It would not have happened. Because often you could do this, and you and I that have been in the ministry a long time have seen Christians who have attempted to do verse 28, but they did not use verse 29 to make it happen. So they did verse 28 without gasoline and fuel. They pushed the car forward, but they didn't last long, and they never got to the finish line very well, or maybe even at all, because they didn't do verse 29. So you have to have verse 29, which says, to this end. Now circle the phrase, to this end. And then draw a line up to the phrase, helping people to become perfect in Christ. So to this end of what? Preaching, teaching, and presenting people perfect in Christ. To this end, what do I do, Paul says? I also labor. Now, the word labor means to toil to the point of exhaustion. That means that you are so committed, whether you're a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, a minister in the church, or whether you're in full-time vocational service, we are laboring to the point of weariness. We are tired from somehow connecting to the mission of preaching and teaching to present people mature in Christ. Uh, uh, let me ask you this question. Can you remember um, a time that you went to bed so tired, you just kind of conked out? My wife will tell you this, and I don't know that it's always because I'm a, such a great servant of the Lord, because I'm not, but it's kind of a funny joke around our house. Carol knows when I'm really tired, because our, our general tendency in our home, I don't mean to be too personal, is we go to bed, try to go to bed around 9 o'clock, because we get up at 4, so we try to get to bed around 9, but before we go to sleep, we both have a time of reading the word or Christian material to help our minds focus on a Christian worldview. We then say goodnight to one another, we kiss one another, and we go to sleep. Now that's the perfect world. Most of the time, we climb into bed, I get the book on my lap, and I'm asleep, okay? Sometimes, I don't even get the book on my, my lap, my, my chest, as I'm there in bed, she's next to me over there. Sometimes, she says, I've never seen anybody that can already be asleep and snoring from the time your head hits the pillow. I mean, I'm, I'm weird like that. And she says, when you're really tired, you do two things. Would you like to know what they are? Probably not. Can you hear that? I can't when I'm asleep. But it drives Carol up a wall. Ask her how many times she slept on the couch when she heard that. Another time, and this is really disconcerting, is I laugh in my sleep. I do. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> and I kind of giggle. And Carol will say, what are you laughing at? And I'll tell her, I'll tell you when I wake up in the morning. And I always forget. I really, I really forget. I don't know why I did, but, but I'm tired. Now, it's not always from ministering. Sometimes you can be working. Sometimes you can be at a work party and you're tired. But I pray that more Christians would be fatigued, not emotionally fatigued to the point of because they're doing it in the flesh, but because they just flat out worked themselves to tiredness. And that's what Paul said. I labored to the point of weariness. I did what? Preached, taught, disciple people to the point of weariness. But now notice this gets so cool because you have to use your body because I can only serve the Lord in the flesh, if you know what I mean, with my body. But he goes on to say the rest of the verse is the key. Here's the key. He says, 
striving like an athlete would to the finish line according to his working. Now, that's what you want to mark in your Bible. According to his working, not my working, his working, which works in me mightily. So I am to strive like agonizing, like an athlete would. I'm laboring. I'm pushing forward, preaching, teaching. But I'm going to do this in his strength, which works in me mightily. Now, let's come up here for a moment and look up here just for a second. I want, I want to speak now to those of you that have a secular job, and I use secular just meaning that you're not paid to do Christian work in ministry. You're out there. And, and you are serving so hard, so much, there on your job, raising your family, working in the church. You will be fulfilling this passage here, toiling to the point of weariness. Some of you know exactly what I mean, how tired you really are, and yet you know there's another meeting. You know there's another thing you've got to get done to get ready for your children's class or for a connection group thing. You are very, very tired. You know what? That's a good thing to be. That's not bad to be tired like that. That is pretty normal when you are serving. Now, let me warn you, though. If it's done in the flesh, pretty soon you're going to have this feeling like, why doesn't some other people work? Why do I have to do it all? Why does it always happen to me? And then you can immediately tell it when you're doing it in the flesh because while you're doing it, you've lost the fruit of the Spirit, so no longer is there love for the people, no longer is there joy, no longer is there peace, no longer is there gentleness, and you're just a bear to live with around your house. You've got to make sure those two things are connected. I'm reminded of a time where Jesus was busy all day and finally it got to be into the night and he hadn't eaten yet and so he sent the disciples off and while the disciples were out getting some food, Jesus is kind of sitting there on the side, basically on a well or a wall. And while he's there, I'm sure he was tired. You know, when you're preaching and teaching, it really sucks a lot of that physical energy out of you, some emotional too. And he's physical, he's all God, but he still had the physical part of man. So while that was going on, who hobbles up to this well over here was the Samaritan woman. She comes up there, and what does Jesus do? Immediately he engaged where she was at. There's a complete theology that he gave to this woman. This woman not only got saved, there's only one woman there. I think it was probably the best sermon he ever preached. She then goes back into her city, and there's a revival in her city because Jesus took the time while he was still so tired, and the other guys were out getting food, and he didn't quit the ministry. He stayed in the program. That's happened. You think when you hire a preacher, when you go in the ministry, you have your 40 hours. You do not have 40 hours and then have the rest of your time. Here's why. Your lay people, they might have 40 hours on their job. Then they go to church on Sunday, and we're going to say they have three hours on Sunday to go to church, Sunday school and all this other stuff, so say three hours. Then they might serve in a, on a committee, so they might have to meet maybe once a week, so let's throw two hours into that. Some of them attend a Bible study or something like that. You might add another two hours onto that. So now these people that are in your church are working anywhere from 45 to 50 hours when you add their secular job and church on top of it. So you preacher boys that are out there, when you go into the ministry, you don't put in your 40, then you go to the beach. You have to think that your hours are 40 to 50, sometimes 52 hours, because your lay people are serving it, being on committees and coming to meetings, answering the phone call, going to the hospital, preparing to teach a, a connection group, opening up their home, cleaning their home, cleaning up after their home. They're all doing it to further the kingdom of God. So why would we make our poor lay people do all of this stuff and we're going to be lazy? We cannot do that in ministry, folks. So, to this end, we labor to the point of weariness. Job or ministry? I got this from an unknown author. It was so good, it spoke to me, and I hope it speaks to you. Some people have a job in the church. Others involve themselves in ministry. I like that. If you're doing it just because no one else will, it's a job. If you're doing it to serve the Lord, it's a ministry. If you quit because somebody criticized you, it's a job. 
If you keep on serving, it's a ministry. If you'll do it only as long as it does not interfere with other of your activities, it's a job. If you're committed to staying with it, even when it means letting go of other responsibilities and things you want to do, it's a ministry. If you quit because no one praised you or thanked you, it was a job. If you stay with it, even though nobody even recognized your efforts, it's a ministry. It's hard to get excited about a job, but it's almost impossible not to be excited about a ministry. If your concern is success, it's a job. If your concern is just faithfulness, it's a ministry. An average church is filled with people doing jobs, but a great, growing, healthy church is filled with people involved in ministry. If God calls you to a ministry, don't treat it like a job. If you have a job, give it up and find a ministry. God does not want us feeling stuck with a job, but excited and faithful to him in ministry. That's the kind of minister the church at large needs. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.